following audio is from a sermon series on the book of Colossians entitled, Jesus Over Everything. For more information about Sacred City Church, please visit scmoline.com. Hey, good morning, Sacred City Church. Pastor Sam coming into your living rooms on your screens, tablets, phones. Um, As you know, coronavirus is running its course, and it's uh, causing all kinds of disruption in our normal rhythms. Uh, And so here we are this morning, kind of in a very awkward format. Um, I hate that I'm not with you. This room is empty, literally standing in the sanctuary with just myself and one other person in the room. Um, And so I know it's weird. Uh, I I think it's kind of weird in one sense because As you sit and watch, I'm not exactly sure if you're wearing pants, and you don't know if I'm wearing pants. So this might be kind of awkward for both of us, but but for real, like the awkward part is preaching is a dynamic thing. I don't just get up on Sunday mornings with a transcript that I'm going to follow word for word. I'm I'm trusting the Spirit to communicate uh, things in a given moment and, and changing my format and changing what I've got laid out on my paper depending upon the kind of feedback that I'm getting from the room, and without having people in the room, it's just me sort of shooting from the hip here. And so um, I'm praying that this is something that the Lord uses. Um, I really don't like being able to, to interact with you as usual, and, and it's just leaving me longing for the time when we get to gather once again as God's church here in Moline to lift our voices in song, to be part of the liturgy and practice liturgy together, and then to sit under the word of God together and take the Lord's Supper. So I, I just, um, I'm longing for that day. I, I trust that you are too, um, and so this is the best that we can do right now. So let's, let's do this. I'm gonna make a, a mental resolve right now to make the best of what's going on, to embrace the awkward, right? Embrace the fact that I'm speaking to an empty room um, and you do the same as you sit on your couch with your family and you're, you're listening in. Uh, let's just embrace the awkward. Uh, I'd ask that you give, give this your full attention. And I know that's hard having a screen open, phones getting notifications all the time. So if you could just turn your phone on do not disturb, maybe switch to a different platform. If Facebook, it's too distracting for you to be on there and you got stuff popping up. Maybe switch over to YouTube so you can give this your full attention. Um, and, and let's just dive in together. So if you wanna open your Bible, um, we are in Colossians, um, continuing our series, and, and we're just gonna embrace the awkward together. So um, before I get into this, I want to uh, provide for you the pastoral welcome. Every week we, we sing a song and then this is the first thing that we hear um, is the pastoral welcome. So let me welcome you virtually to Sacred City Church. To those who are weary and long for rest, to those who mourn and desire comfort, to those who are anxious and are longing for your striving and fears to cease, to those who feel worthless and wonder if God cares, to those who sin and need a savior, to those who hunger and thirst for all the brokenness and sickness in this world to be made right, and to anybody else who would come and open up this video feed, we welcome you as Sacred City Church in the name of our beloved Lord, Jesus Christ. So now let us turn this morning and, and, and hear from God. I, I'm going to, to pray for us, and, and we'll get going into our scripture uh, for today. Father God, we, we trust that in these uh, undesired circumstances that you are present with us now. 
God, that you still have a desire to speak to your people, to, to instruct and to lead your church. And so we are trusting your Holy Spirit is working in, in all ways, even in the ways that we, we can't quite understand that you are working, God. And we, we want to yield to your work. Um, we want to be part of it. We want to give ourselves fully to it. And so, God, we ask that you would speak through my mouth, think through my mind, God, that, that what you would have for your church today would come out in full force. We pray that you'd bless this time as we place ourselves under the reading of the word. God, and we ask that you'd be glorified. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hear the word of the Lord from Colossians chapter two, verses one through five. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. This I say in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, I am with you in spirit rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you would have told me a month ago that we would be doing purely video-based church, especially on Sunday mornings, that our, our gatherings would shift to this digital version, I would have never believed you. The social distancing has momentarily altered the way that we do life, the way that we do ministry in profound and radical ways. Our, our daily rhythms are now out of sync. The plans that we may have made months before are now irrelevant. Even sports seasons, which is crazy, have been canceled. But praise the Lord for the word of God it is always relevant, it's always reliable, and it's always in season. And so we're gonna continue our sermon series through the book of Colossians that's called Jesus Over Everything. And you might be wondering how this is relevant. Because as you heard in the reading, nowhere was virus pandemic, nowhere was coronavirus mentioned at all. But one thing that you may have not realized is that as Paul writes this letter to the people in Colossae, Paul writes while in government-mandated social distancing. Or in other words, he's in prison. He's writing from prison about 100 miles at least away from those who he's writing to. And in verse one, he actually tells us that there's some people that he's writing to, there's some people he's struggling for that he hasn't even met yet. He hasn't even seen them face to face. And in verse five, he says, though I am absent in body, I am with you in spirit. And I don't think there's a more relevant passage uh, for us than this today. In fact, I can say the same thing as the Apostle Paul. As your pastor, or even if we've never met yet, you're just checking this out, you've seen this on the Facebook stream. Um, though I am absent from you, my heart is with you. I am present with you in spirit. And so as we are distanced from one another, just as Paul addresses his people in social isolation, so I address you, Sacred City Moline, and, and as we dive into this passage, I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna show you Paul's pastoral heart, but I also, in that, in that vein, I wanna show you my pastoral heart for you 
as I'm speaking to you from a distance. And I want to show you that though we are physically separated, we can be spiritually united. So let's, let's dig in here. Verse one of chapter two. I would tell you what page it is on your pew Bible, but I guarantee you nobody has a pew Bible at home. So here we go. I'll read it for you. You can follow along in your Bible. Verse one. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. Now, we have talked a a great deal about Paul's suffering in the past few weeks. And here he mentions it again, how great a struggle I have for you. In chapter one, we saw Paul say, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. He says, "Uh, I believe this is a ministry that God has given to me for you, for the church. He says in, in, in chapter one, he is filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Jesus for the sake of the church. Now Paul here, he is telling us as he is in isolation, as he's in prison, he is still emptying himself for the cause of Christ. It's not for his own gain, but for the sake of the church that he struggles, that he suffers, that for your sake. He says it not just to the Colossians, but to those who are at Laodicea, and and even extends beyond that to all he hasn't seen yet, and if you think about it, that actually includes us. That that we have not seen Paul face to face, but what he is doing, his suffering, has had a direct impact upon us. Now in tough times, it's easy to get fixated on yourself, right? Paul could be sitting in prison, having a pity party, saying like, oh, my life is so hard, everything is so tough, it's, it's, it's easy for us. I think that's our tendency is when we hit trying times, we become self-involved. We get self-absorbed, we become takers instead of givers. And, and that's not what we see with Paul. I mean, he could say, man, I, I'm tied up, I can't do anything, I'm on lockdown, I'm stuck here, it looks like my job is, is jammed, but, but Paul isn't self-fixated on that. He's, he's actually more concerned about giving to others, even strangers. And his aim, his target is to supplement and to enhance their life, our life, at the cost of his own. Now this is, this is outlandish. This is counterintuitive. This is countercultural how Paul is willing to struggle for people he doesn't yet know. And you just wonder, like, how in the world is this possible? Now, back in verse 29 of chapter one, we're told that Paul is drawing on the energy of Christ. But here we see, not only does Paul draw on the energy of Christ, he draws on Christ's love for his people. It's the love of Jesus that compels Paul to lay his life down little bit at a time. It's in fact like as if Jesus' love for the church is working through the apostle Paul. I would actually venture to say that it's impossible to love the church without having Jesus' love for the church supernaturally implanted in us. I think that's true of, of pastors, of MC leaders, of those who are church members. It's something that is just so out of the ordinary. It's out of our natural uh, progressions of life. It just doesn't happen. But here we see the love of Jesus implanted in Paul and in pastors and in MC leaders to seek the flourishing of the church. In other words, it's as if Paul is saying, listen, I love you guys and here's what I want for you. Here's what I desire for you. He's not saying here's what I want from you. 
But here's what I want to give you to enhance your life. And in verse two, he starts showing us what exactly his desire for us as the church is. Verse two, he says, let me, let me go. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged. Now Paul's saying that that their hearts would be encouraged, that we would literally be filled with courage. Isn't that such an interesting desire for the church, that, that timely desire for the church in uncertain times? The reality with what's going on around us right now is fear and worry can, can paralyze us, can, can torment us even. And Paul says, listen, I don't, I don't want that for you. I want you to be emboldened. I want you to have courage to go about your life. And the type of courage Paul is after isn't like a, a novelty type of courage. It isn't this, this like one-time act of courage as if you were gonna go skydiving or go into your boss's office and ask him for a raise, right? Those, those things require some sort of courage, but, but the courage that Paul is talking about is a courage that gets down to the core of your being. He says, I want to encourage your heart. And that this means that I want to give you this conviction, this, this courage that works out. It's so central to who you are that it works out in all areas of your life. Specifically, in the way that we live and think and speak and dream in line with the gospel. Like in line with what God is doing in this world. Regardless of what it seems, right? That, that it actually is Jesus over everything. That he is preeminent. That he is supreme. And, and even though that there might be dissenters in Colossae or viruses that are going around in our world right now, Jesus is still reigning over the heavens and the earth. And he isn't just reigning. Jesus is actually renewing all things to himself, making peace through the blood of the cross. See, this is, this is the type of courage. Paul is hoping that we would be encouraged by this reality of who Jesus is and what he is doing. Now in Ephesians chapter two, Paul says the cause of God's redemptive work is propelled by God's great love with which he loved us. Right, the reason why all this stuff is happening, why Jesus is redeeming and renewing and reconciling all things back to God is because of God's great love. And I love the way, I've been reading the Jesus Storybook Bible with my kids. I love how the author speaks of this, of God's unstopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. See, this is, this is what supplies our courage. And because God has an unstopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love, we have a constant source to draw our courage from. Now this isn't like a, an individualistic thing where it's like, oh yeah, me and Jesus are tucked away in my prayer closet, right? It's like right now you're stuck at home. You know, it, it's not just this individualistic thing where it's like me and God have this, we're vibing off each other and it's going great. See, the gospel is actually at work in the hearts of other people too. That's why Christianity is a communal faith and why the, why the uh, um, 
illustrations, the uh, visuals that the Apostle Paul gives us specifically here in Colossians, it gives us of the body, right? The, the human body, that there are multiple parts to the body that are brought together as one. In fact, you see here in verse two, Paul is desiring that the body of Christ would be knit together in love. See, as we draw upon the love of, of Jesus, as we draw upon the love of God and we're pressed deeper into God's love, we are brought in with our brothers and sisters in the faith. It's as if the church is a patch quilt and the love of Jesus is the thread that runs through and secures all of the pieces together. And when we live in this love, when we, when we recognize God's love for what it is and the power of his love to give us courage and to, to knit us together, this causes a, a robust life. A robust life of, of living in relationship to one another, in, in relationship to God, in relationship to community, and together we live on mission. Now, I think in ordinary times, like when we're not all on lockdown, Sacred City does this very well, right? We share our lives together. We, we eat meals. We, we vacation together. We, we are intentional about our time of being together and living on mission together, sharing one another's joys and burdens, praying for one another. But social isolation and what we're dealing with right now can leave us feeling disjointed. We, as we're sort of tucked away in our own homes, it can leave us feeling vulnerable to fears and anxieties. Depression, loneliness can start to creep in and then dominate our lives where we just feel alone and helpless. If there's any time that we have needed to be knit together in love, it is now. Right now is perhaps the most necessary time for us to do this. And while the, the guidelines that are, are being recommended in our state, in our city, our country, are limiting the ways in our, our normal rhythms that we do that and make it hard, it's not impossible for us to do. We, we have to be innovative and make the best of it and, and, and we have some great technological advances to help us in that. See, like Paul, when he was in prison, he didn't just say, oh, this time's a waste. He, he made the best use of his time. During his imprisonment, he were, wrote the letters to, to the Ephesians, Philippians, to those at Colossae, and, and even wrote the letter of Philemon, all of these. And, and then that's, there's probably even more letters that aren't included in the scriptures. That Paul was being innovated, making the best use of time, hand-delivering messages to the churches that were facing difficulties. And in that same suit, we ought to do the same thing. Like, we can use the technology that's available to us to be connected. And, and though it's virtual and it's not ideal, it's something. It's a placeholder until we can be together again. So let us engage with our message threads from our missional community. I know sometimes it's annoying, right? Nobody loves to be bombarded by group messages, but this is a great opportunity for us to be connected to one another. It's a great way for us to know how we can be lifting one another up and encouraging one another with, with the promises of God from scripture. A way for us to be praying for one another. We might even in, be intentionally setting up FaceTime or Google Hangouts with our missional community family so we can update and check in with one another regularly. That we can discuss the needs that are among us. 
that we can encourage one another, that, that though we are spatially, physically separated from one another, that we can be spiritually united as Jesus is knitting us together. And as we press into God's love together, here's the great news, that we can find certainty in times of uncertainty. Keep reading in verse two. He says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance. Ooh, what does that mean? What does he mean by full assurance? What, what Paul is talking about is this guarantee or, or confidence that we belong to God. In Romans 8, he talks about the fact that there are no internal or external factors that can separate us from the reality that we belong to God. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, that we are kept by his love. And the good work that, that Jesus has begun in redeeming us, God is going to bring that to completion. One day we will stand perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. See, this is the reality of the, the, the riches of full assurance that we would have stability through our storms, that as chaos surrounds us, we will be concrete, anchored in the love of God. But the question is, how, how do we access this treasure? How do we get to these riches? How do we become anchored in God's love? Because clearly, I don't know about you, but for me, that's not my default mode. Right, I, I think that if I just let myself go on autopilot, I get tossed to and fro pretty easily by my circumstances. Right, and, and with that, I, I start to think, you know, what, that, that God's love isn't consistent. Like in the times where it's good, maybe God has more love for me, he's blessing me even more, and then in times where things are maybe more difficult, that, that God's, God's love is waning. And that's not the reality, God, God's love doesn't wax or wane, God's love is fully on blast all of the time. It's just that our perception of it is off. Or, or it rises and falls, we think this, that it rises and falls with what we think to be true of God, instead of letting the reality of who God is determine our view of him. Now Paul has concern here, in, and we see this in verse four, for the church, because he doesn't want people to be deluded or misled. In fact, the, the original audience, they were dealing with uh, something that I, we actually deal with too. Like, as Paul is preaching the gospel and Epaphras, who's, who's the pastor of the church in Colossae, is preaching the gospel, there are false teachers who are coming behind him and saying something contrary to the gospel message. That, that Paul and Epaphras are, are saying that it's Jesus who saves. Put your trust in him. Jesus will save you, he'll deliver you from your sins, but there are these other false teachers who are coming behind him and say, yeah, it's Jesus plus observance of some piece of the judicial law or, or the, 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 the Jewish law. Or, or for those who maybe come from a, a pagan background, they say, you know, it's Jesus and it could be, you know, any of the other gods, right? It's Jesus is one among many. Now this could be the, the case for us today. There are plenty of false teachers. That there are all kinds of, how Paul says it, um, plausible, where does he say that? In chapter two he says, verse four, for though I'm abs, nope, 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 nope. Verse three, it, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. 
See, there are all kinds of plausible arguments. There are all kinds of contrary worldviews, all kinds of contrary religious claims that are encircling us. And so that, that could be the case for today, but one thing that I think is just as concerning that, that has the same potential to delude or to mislead us is allowing our circumstances to determine what is true of God. And it sounds like this. If God really loved me, then blank wouldn't happen. Or if God really loved me, then this is what would happen. And we, you can plug that in, right, with what's going on. If God really loved us, then coronavirus wouldn't be so threatening. If, if God really cared for me, then the tough financial times that I might be entering into as things change financially around the globe wouldn't happen. I think that line of thinking equally deludes the message of God's love for us as a false teacher might. And so how is it? How how do we get access to that treasure? If that's not our default, how do we become anchored in God's love? Paul says the way we access the treasure of full assurance is knowing and understanding the mystery of God. Uh, what? You know, like understanding the mystery of God. Like I, I've seen people do like magic tricks, sleight of hand tricks. You watch them do that, it's like, I have no idea how you do it. It seems like a mystery to me. If I can't understand that, how in the world am I going to understand the mystery of God? Right, because this, this word mystery implies that there's a hiddenness, that there's something concealed, that there's something that doesn't quite make sense or register for us. So how could I possibly know the mystery of God, let alone understand it? Well, Paul tells us that God's mystery is revealed in Jesus Christ. That's what he says as, as verse two continues. He says that their hearts would be encouraged, knit together in love to reach the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. It is Jesus who reveals the mystery of God to us. And I I would submit to you this morning that the mystery of God is that he loves us. Like how in the world does God love us? I don't know about you, I've been so inconsistent with my affections toward God this week as there's been news of, of people dying and more and more spread of the coronavirus. I've just been, I've been more wrapped up in that than I have devoting myself to the Lord in some ways. How is it possible that God would love us? See, Jesus reveals God's love for us and not only does he reveal that God's love us? But Jesus is the key. He, he's the key and, verse three tells us, that he himself is the treasure of wisdom and knowledge. Verse three says, to know the knowledge of the mystery of God, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now let me try to put it in plain terms that would make sense in light of everything that's going on with coronavirus at this time. Just just to make some parallels here. It's as if all humans 
are plagued by the virus of sin. That, that this virus of sin has caused total disruption in our lives. It has totally messed up the equal, equilibrium of life and, and corrupted the types of life that we were meant to live. It, it impairs our relationships with one another. Our, our work is affected. It becomes hard. Our quality of life dips and, and eventually it, it gives way to death. Not to mention this whole time we're, we're incompatible with God. That because God is holy and, and we are sinners, that there is this disconnect that we have, that, that nothing holy or nothing sinful can exist in the presence of holiness. And technology can't help us, right? We, we've got technology to help us out now to communicate with one another, but technology can't help us in this, this cosmic dilemma. There's no vaccination that we can create by our own hands, and so we're just stuck sort of wasting away in our own sin, just going decay into death. But the crazy part is that, that God's love is so for us. That God's love for us is so strong that he would send his son Jesus to enter into a sin-sick world. That Jesus would leave his cosmic quarantine and not to go get toilet paper, not to go stock up on canned goods, but to make sick people well. And it's crazy, as Jesus walked this sin-sick earth, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't infected by it like we got infected by sin. It's because Jesus constantly drew upon the love of the Father. Jesus never veered away from the reality of God's constant, steady stream of God's love. And because of that, he was able to reciprocate that love, that he was loving God with all of his mind, soul, body, and strength. And in his ultimate act of dying love, Jesus goes to the cross to deliver us, to heal us from our sin sickness. Right, this is the love of God on display, that he would send his son, that whoever believed in him wouldn't perish, right, the, the virus of sin wouldn't get the last say, but would have eternal life. And in giving us a new life, God brings us into relationship with himself, He's reconciling all things that our relationship with others are restored. Our world will be renewed, that all things will be made right. And it starts by spiritually uniting us to Christ, the fountainhead, the key of love. And as we are spiritually united today in Christ, there will be one day where we are physically with him. That the, the, the church, the body, will become the dwelling place of God. See, this is the riches that Christ has to offer us. It's the answer to all of our problems. It's the remedy for the deepest sickness we have. And maybe right now, God is emptying the world of all of its false comforts that it offers so that we could more fully understand the reality, how precious the treasure of Christ is. It might be so that we see all we have in Christ is all we need. That he is the anchor of our storm. See, that's the type of the love that, that Jesus gives us. It's so strong that it ables to, it's able to anchor us in himself. That as the, the wind and the waves bounce up against us, as the storm rages on, that we are anchored, that we don't go to and fro. That's the certainty that we have. That's a solid rock on which we stand. See, this the gospel, the reality of Jesus going to the cross for our sins shows us that, that God's love doesn't wax or wane. 
God's love is constant and it's at work in our lives right now. It's unstopping, never giving up, unbreaking. It's always and forever. Now for the church, for the people of God, for all peoples to know this, not just to know this in, in sort of an intellectual sense, but to understand it where it, there's like some sort of ownership, where it's part of my own reality that has shaped my life in a profound way. For the church, for all people to know this, that Jesus is our treasure is a win. See, that's the delight of a pastor. We see this with Paul. He says in verse five, he says, though, though I'm absent in body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. See, this is the delight of the pastor, to, to, to see the church in good order. Now, like think of it in like a household, a neat and tidy household, right? The church is the household of God, that things are in the right place, that things are functioning well, and there's a firmness in your faith. There's, there's nothing greater for a pastor than to see his flock thrive, even without him, even in his absence. It's so good to hear that no one has shipwrecked their life. No one's gone AWOL off the rails. You know, it might be, we might be stumbling, but we're stumbling toward Jesus. It's such a good thing to hear that leaders are leading the gospel is being preached and taught within our own living rooms, that hope is abounding in Christ. It's such good news to hear that people are being encouraged mutually, that people are investing in one another, constantly pointing one another to Jesus so that they would reach the riches, to see that the riches of full assurance are within grasp because Christ has brought it to us, to see the church joyful and steadfast, Sacred City, this is my prayer for you as your pastor. In this time where we are isolated, where we can't be together in the flesh, to know that we are united in spirit. I, I pray that you would draw near to Christ as he has come near to you. That, that he would be to you more glorious than anything in your life. That he would be your supreme treasure. I pray that in this time of uncertainty that you would find certainty in the love of God. That you would be profoundly encouraged by the tenacity of God's love for you. That you, as you grow deeper into God's love, would be knit together in Christian community. And if you're not part of our Christian community, this is a great time to, to join us, right? Shoot me a message on Facebook. We'll, we'll find people to get connected to so we can invest in you, that we can help you follow Jesus in everyday life. My prayer for you is that your loves would be ordered, that in a sense, your household, your heart would be in order, that Jesus would be supreme in your life. And that we would emerge from these trying times with a more robust and a more, ro and a more firm faith in Jesus. Because right now, everything in this world is showing its volatility. Only Jesus is constant. Only the love of God is a steadfast thing that we can rely on. And so brothers and sisters, let us draw near to Christ. Let us put our trust in him. Hold fast. Be knit together. Be encouraged. And lay hold of the riches of faith.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that that he has come near to us and what he offers us in the gospel, that the knowledge and the wisdom of your redemptive plan is made known. That in him, we find all that we need for life and godliness. Even in these unprecedented times. I I pray, God, that that your love would be more real to us than than the the couch we sit on. I pray, God, that you would show us in, in ways we can't even imagine just how strong your love is and that in this time we can even be knit together. I pray that you would do all these things, God, for the glory of Jesus' name and for the good of the church. We pray this in Christ Jesus. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great Sunday.